All right, we're back, and we're still studying in the uh, 14th chapter of Matthew, or right at the end. Um, I'm going to pick up, well, uh, we actually talked a little bit, we talked through verse, up to verse 32 in our last uh, segment, uh, but I'm, I want to say a few things more about that verse, so I, I actually kind of want to get started, um, you know, with verse 32 speak that some um that's where jesus and of course peter had come back to the to the ship uh the boat whatever it was and when and uh and it says and when they came in uh, when they were come into the ship the wind ceased of course you know we talked about all the things that god does for us and the peace that he gives us when when he comes in but uh, you know, there's a lot to be said about getting out of the boat, going to Jesus like Peter did, and we certainly are supposed to seek the Lord. Um, that's 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 what he's he's uh, you know expects of of uh, humanity to seek for him. Of course, you got to do it for the right reasons, but um, anyway, nonetheless, you know, people should be seeking God. I mean, we have this natural ability. This natural knowledge that's ingrained in us when we're created that you know tells us there is a God. We know there is a God. A lot of people want to deny it, but we know it. I mean, why, why do they want to fight so much against it if they don't believe God exists? Why do they make such a big deal out of of uh, you know trying to prove He doesn't? Uh, you know, I, I know Santa Claus doesn't exist, but I don't have to go out of my way to try to prove He doesn't. I just know He doesn't. That's just that's trying to like trying to prove a negative you can't do it um but you know i'm, I'm kind of digressing here a little bit anyway the fact is god exists and so the fact that we know god exists means that we should find out about him we should learn about him um, and you know know more about this creator of man um so there's a lot to be said about seeking god but the end result is that he wants us to invite him in and so yeah, this is kind of a picture of the fact that, you know, after they went through all of this, um, that Peter went through and, you know, sinking into the water and the whole bit, and he, he, he reached down and grabbed him, pulled him out of the water, and then they went into the ship. So that's what, that's what Christ wants to do in our lives. He wants to come into our abode. He wants to come into our life. He wants to enter in and, and be a part of it. Um, so, I mean, if, if we're ever really going to have any of this, this peace, if we're ever really going to get to know God, it starts by bringing him into our life, making him a part of our life, giving ourselves to him and letting him, letting him take control. And, and once we do that, once he becomes a part of our, a truly a part of our life, then we can begin to grow. Then it begins to reveal himself to us. Then, then it begins to get intimate. Um, when you meet your spouse, the person, you know, you, when you first met your spouse, you went out, you did things, went on dates, got to know each other a little bit, but you weren't intimate out in the public. You got intimate when you got married and you went in and you started building a home together. That's when you really start learning about a person, isn't it? That, that's when you you really begin to know who they are. And Christ is the same way. Just knowing that there is a God, acknowledging there is a God, even acknowledging him as a, something special in your life. 
that's not enough. He wants to come into your life. He wants to be a part of it. He wants us to invite him in and make him Lord of our life. So he comes into the ship, he and, he and Peter, and, and, and when he comes in, everything calms down. Now, I'm not trying to tell you that life's going to be a bowl of cherries the rest of your life just because you invite Christ in. In fact, you know, that heightens Satan's senses and, you know, alerts him to double his attack against you. And so he's certainly going to put obstacles in your way to try and uh, destroy your testimony. Um get you to not serve God and not do the things that God wants you to do and try to hinder your relationship. But um, you're only going to know him, as I said, if you, if you bring him in. Now, here's what you need to do, because it says what they did here. Then um, they that were in the ship came and worshiped him saying of a truth thou art the son of god okay so you see what happens here just what i've been saying now they recognize you know now they're acknowledging at least who he really is so they brought him into the ship he's calmed the winds and calmed the sea the whole nine yards um and they're acknowledging him, him as the son of god well that's what happens when he, you bring him in your life so and you know i, I guess i'm kind of going on a rant here but if we're really going to bring God into our life, then we need to treat him as God. It says they worshiped him. And my question is to a lot of people, do you really worship God? There, I see so many people, and, 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 I, and you know, I know them well enough to say that I believe they're born-again believers. But they treat Christ as... Or God, you know, whichever term you want to use, or one and the same, as if He's their buddy. Um, and and while He is our friend, you know, and He He's closer than a brother, and all of that, he, He's not just a buddy. He expects to be worshipped. He created us. Revelation four eleven. He tells us why He created us. We created us to please Him. Um, and if we don't please him, then we're violating the purpose of our existence. So it's important for us to worship God in spirit and truth. And that, that, that goes so far beyond just, a, just a, a church service. But, you know, even at the church service, it's gotten to where people don't really worship God. They go in and they, they sing praise songs and hold their hands in the air. But, you know, are they really? Uh, approaching God on his holy throne. I heard a guy, or, or I think I read somewhere, I forget exactly, but he was talking about being in the Army. And he said in the Army they had, uh, or one of the branches of, of services, of, you know, armed services, that they had three sets of clothing. Um, there are three types of clothing. One was just when they were uh, hanging out, uh, doing chores, everyday clothing. It's kind of like you and I might throw on a pair of shorts and a T-shirt and, you know, go out and work in the yard or something like that, or maybe just hang out on the porch with a friend. Um, that was one set of clothes. Then they had another one that was a little more formal that was designed more for something that was more than a casual affair. 
um, an event or a, or a, a time, for instance, like maybe if you go out to dinner or something like that, go out on a date or something of that nature, or go to a nice place to eat, you know what I mean. And then they had their dress clothes. And their dress clothes were used for formal gatherings and when they were meeting dignitaries um, and engaging in a higher echelon type of event. Well, when you look at our lives, I mean, we have similar wardrobes. You know, we have clothes that we wear for those different types of events. But <laughs> the problem that I have, and, 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 you know, maybe I'm being picky here about dress, but... The problem I have is, is you know, I, I see people when, you know, they go to, when they do like they go to a wedding or, or you know, some formal affair, a prom or, and, and they dress up and, you know, you have a suit in your closet or a nice dress and, and you, it's reserved for special occasions. But if you're going to go worship your God, you just throw on anything. That's good enough. God knows me. So it's all right. I can wear whatever I want because God knows me. It doesn't make any difference. Well, sure, God knows you. And God does look on the heart. But God looks on the outside, too. I'm, I'm here to tell you that he looks on the outside, too. He expects you to revere him. Expects, he expects us to worship and honor him. And it's hard, It very to me, anyway, it's hard to worship and honor God, put him in his rightful, holy place, in a pair of fatigues, you know, in a pair of shorts or in a pair of jeans. I, I just, it's disrespectful. I'll I just, you know, come right down to it. It's disrespectful. And doing things for God. You know, we, we, we do things every day. We use our talents that God has given us for things other than for God. Um, we don't we don't find ways to honor him with our abilities, and if you don't have an ability that you don't learn one. Now, I'm not saying everybody has to sing or play an instrument or preach or teach or do something, but find something to do that honors God. It, it's just it, it boggles my mind that a person could just go sit in church and get there ten minutes late and leave at the you know, during the invitation and go home and, and never mingle with other Christians and and uh, never get involved, never never find out what else is going on, and never care, for that matter, what's going on in the church. Um, do something to please God, because that's our purpose. That's what he wants us to do, and that's what we're doing here. They're worshiping him. When, uh, and in verse 34, when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. Um, go where God sends you. And if you don't know where God sends you, ask him. Everybody's got a place to go to serve God. God has a destination for all of us. Are you there? It, you know, it may not seem like a big deal, but it is a big deal. And it might just be a, a particular church or a location or something like that where you can work and serve him. But wherever he sends you, go there. And you know, I don't see how you can do anything else. If you really say that he's in your life, how can you go somewhere other than where he sends you? I, can you imagine these guys? Jesus comes in he, after what happened. He gets in a boat with them, and, and uh, he says, okay, let's go to Genezareth. And they say, well, you know, we need to stop over here first. We need to make a little detour 
first. We've got some other business we need to take care of. No, they went where Jesus sent them. And that's what God expects from us. That's, that's how we worship him. That's how we honor him. When the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out, uh, sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment and as many as touched were made perfectly whole. I, I wonder what these people were really seeking. I mean, it looks to me like they came to get healed. Now, I'm not against healing, certainly. Apparently, Jesus is not against healing because he says, and as many as touched were made perfectly whole. Uh, he's a compassionate God. He loves us, and he's, he's told us oftentimes that he'll grant us the desires of our heart, and I believe that's to the degree that it's not harmful to our ministry or to what he's called us to do or, you know, doesn't destroy our testimony because he's willing to do that. And remember the story of Hezekiah where he, Hezekiah prayed and God gave him an extra 15 years of life. So he's a compassionate God. He's going to do these things. But is that what you want from him? I mean, he's not Santa Claus. You know, we just don't, we just don't invite Christ into our life so we can get things and so he can take care of us. I mean, what happens then when things go south, you know, when things don't go so well? Is it God's fault because he didn't deliver? You know, I often wonder about that sort of thing. Um, you know, this is why the faith healers prosper so much. Everybody everybody wants something, and that's what the faith, faith healer promises them. It's, it's all smoke and mirrors, but they think it's real, and, and that's what he's promising. Come to me and I'll... I'll make your short leg as long as the other one, <laughs> or I'll get rid of your heart disease. You can throw away your crutches. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't want to get started into all of that foolishness. I'm just saying that that's not what serving God is all about. That's not what knowing Christ is all about. Um, it's about us doing for him, not him doing for us. So many people, when they start looking for a church, and I may have said this before, and I'll probably say it again, when you're looking for a church, you don't go to church and try to find out if they got a you know great program for your kids. Um, is the music, uh, you know, is to my liking? Um, do I do I like the preacher? No, you go to a church that is solid. What you're looking for is a church that teaches the Word of God, that's true to the Word of God, respects it, and stands on it. And has opportunity for you to serve. Go find a church where you can be of some value. Go find a church where you can plug in and do something and make a difference to the others that go there. All right. Come back. We'll get into chapter 15. God bless. Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. Seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy and pass along and share.
Now, let's get to the lesson.